I would like to introduce you to Christian Grey. Huh? Oh. Oh, no. Well, it was a bestseller made into a movie. Oh, and that is our theme oh, this wow. year. We are not reading this. It's my month. When it's your month, you can choose whatever boring, depressing book you want. To, to even be holding this book is embarrassing. Who's judging you, your cat? I do like the idea of a romance. We are too old. But it says right here, for mature audiences. Oh, yeah, so. it certainly sounds like us. We started this book club to stimulate our minds. Well, from what I hear, this book is quite stimulating. Oh, God. Come on. Let's toast to our new book. All right. Oh, good. Voice that flash. Yeah. Happy reading, ladies. All right, so welcome back to uh, yet another episode of The Grand Gesture. We are uh, officially Daveless, as the many listeners requested. <laughs> and we have my brand new spanking co-host, Derek Stewart, who doesn't even know he's my co-host on this show. I had maybe no he idea. does. You had no idea? Nope, I, I had zero idea. I was not informed. No, I, uh, did, I didn't want to do that. Um, I, uh, I was so enraptured by our discussion on Barefoot in the Park, which uh, also no one asked for, because they'd, they'd have to realize what that movie is. Uh, I'm... I think it's safe to say that this particular Jane Fonda movie we're about to talk about, probably slightly more in the pop culture lexicon than Barefoot in the Park. At least for a couple of years, maybe. Yeah, I'm not positing that Book Club's going to be a classic <laughs> 30 years from now. But after that episode, I put it up, I'm like, I like this. Go in the Twitter bio... I delete at Dave. <laughs> I put at Dave Stew. And Without either one of our knowledge. <laughs> I just wondered if you ever looked at it, if there was a retweet, if, you, if you'd ever say, like, what uh, what's going on here? And if you had a problem with it, then, you know, I'd just move you out, <laughs> delete you, and then put another name up just there. Just slot another person. Yeah, it's fine. Well, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, uh, but this, this movie is, uh, it's only for you baby this is <laughs> this is this is your wheelhouse or at least the reputation among our circle friends that uh you've built up for yourself this is your, your own making your love of experienced women such a clean way to say that oh, then i started thinking is that dirty because i don't <laughs> some, some of these women i'm not saying that they're uh extremely sexually experienced because uh i think some of the characters are a little little backwards but uh, yeah, in age, and not only that, but it has like your maybe one of your all timers, top five even. Diane Keaton is a reference point for you. You're giving me a Did little quick now. Have I ever said top five for? We'll we'll say it. Top five for Diane Keaton. That's I, fine. I I think the uh, the aesthetic of her, the the sort of Annie Hall look, uh, yeah. that gets referenced quite a bit. So maybe not, but I was going for her. Thinking like, yeah, he'll love this. We've already discussed Jane Fonda. She's in this as well. Who is the one that you text me about? Candace Bergen. That Mur was the Murphy one. Murphy fucking yeah. Brown. That's the one yeah. that you send me the obscene gif about <laughs> <laughs> of a man <laughs> eating ribs <laughs> and not in a clean fashion. The most. We met in the middle. That was kind of the key there. She would be the one, uh, as I was sort of uh, alluding to. So this, if you've not seen the film, and I really never know what sort of clips I'm going to drop, so I, I never know what sort of context I'm giving people who, for whatever reason, would listen to a movie podcast without 
having seen the film and in particular this one uh, or any of the ones I'm on for that matter. This is about four older women who are in a book club and it is the, uh, the of course it's the Jane Fonda characters, the Jane Fonda type who pushes them to uh, uh, read something a little more lively. And this is set presumably in the time period where 50 shades of gray was taking the country by storm as, as sort of a, a curiosity, a fad at that time. And so these older women in various stages in their life, uh, one is uh, married, uh, Mary uh, Steenburgen is married to coach and sexually not satisfied. <laughs> some are divorced. Some are w actually are all of them different. There's a, a widow. Think so a widow, uh, one that's divorced, one that never married and one that is married. Yeah, so, th so they're, yeah. they're trying to give, I guess, uh, a version of uh, various women at this point in time. But uh, you and I, I don't think, have anything in common with any of them. I don't believe so. Maybe I'm uh, as sexually naive as Mary <laughs> was. Maybe, maybe that's me. <laughs> I wondered how we were going to approach this because the ensemble romances are a little difficult. Uh, but they seem to be, if there are theatrical romances now... Uh, they seem to kind of go that crazy, stupid love direction, I guess, to appeal to as many different walks of life as possible. And this Problem. one is hitting it in a not-so-subtle fashion. Yeah. yeah I, well, it gives you the variety of it, I guess, that anyone, for the most part, over the age of 40 that's going in to, to see this film, they at least know what uh, the dynamics of relationships tend to look like of the romantic sort. And so it can apply to if you are divorced or recently widowed or kind of fill in the blank. It's the modern day golden girls in some way um, where you have someone who's kind of very open about their sexual expression, someone who's quite kind of reserved and, and timid, like various uh, walks of life or at least, you know, developmental periods within a same age range. But all of them very rich and all very white though. <laughs> <laughs> Diverse casting. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like uh, probably a problem area for a lot of rom coms in general. Like, usually money is not an issue until one character. It has to be like the defining issue. Right. But in something like this, uh, I, I guess I give it a pass just because of their age. That you're like, sure. well, they're they're comfortable where they are because you just assume. And they make a bigger point of it with the Jane Fonda character that she's sort of a workaholic and she's done right. really well for herself. One of them's a freaking judge, so. Yeah, and I think that maybe they're going with the idea that that for them to remain such, uh, uh, for them to remain so close in their relationships that they're kind of on a similar socioeconomic status, maybe that's, uh, or they're saying poverty is not going to be its own character because it normally is if if that's a. Plot you don't want to have the one member of the book club that can't just fly off to Arizona and exactly uh, or can't afford the book. That's <laughs> <laughs> the the used disgusting coffee that someone's used to stroke material in their own failed, failed marriage wrote in decades ago already. <laughs> Drew a penis. I'd be fine with that with this one. I'll, I'll admit I went to see this with my mom and my wife's mom. This oh, was like a Mother's Day kind of thing. But see you okay you you have this reaction like that's horrifying but you've met my mother she said she said far worse than anything that's in this gonna film yeah yeah if, if there'd be one mother that I would assume wouldn't flinch at this it would probably Tame. be yours this is too yeah. vanilla for her way too vanilla <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> Should I roll a clip here? Is everyone suitably uncomfortable? <laughs> <clears throat> My old uniform. What do you think? Well, I feel like I'm in a time machine. No. It still fits. Oh. Ta-da. Uh, there's some duct tape on the shelf. Oh, sweet. That just makes it easier to... Oh, you need... You need duct tape. Okay. And, uh... Give me the zip ties, sir. Zip ties. Are you thinking about tying me up? Nothing is just something I was reading about. Is there anything else I can do for you? No, I think I'm good, thanks. I just needed more light before I get inside her crankshaft. Check her out. Check out your motorcycle? Yeah. Sure brings back memories. Yeah, but she's a lot prettier than I remember. I wouldn't complain if you want to take me for a ride. Rain check? I guess maybe I thought that if anybody would be somewhat, maybe the son would be more uncomfortable than than the mother watching this film and thinking about some of the things that women, because we don't often hear about the things that women think about in that, uh, you know, that period of their life. So for them to express it, you know, in such a boisterous manner, um, you know, I don't, I, it would be a little odd for me, maybe. It is rare. uh Maybe Candace Bergen is, uh, she gets a little bit of the, uh, men as a physical form as humorous just because she's doing the like internet dating type right. stuff. Uh, but certainly with Diane Keaton landing Andy Garcia, the pilot, uh, I, I feel like most of the men here, Don Johnson's another one, uh, are objects of like, you know, sexual, like, catches like for the sure. like, usually they're they, these would be the roles that the, like women would play in that regard uh nothing against don johnson or andy garcia but i think they are kind of thinly written characters that are like aren't they very handsome and wouldn't it be nice for these women to have sex with these two exactly it it drives their it drives the the book club's arc more so than than there being any real content to to who they are which now, is okay the character I did identify with, unfortunately, is Craig T. Nelson, who I called Coach <laughs> earlier, <laughs> because I can't say this movie provided – it's not something that's going to provide a ton of laughs for me, And I, but I'm also coming into it thinking like, well, it's not exactly for me. Uh, I think it's, you know, it's right. fine. It's enjoyable. It's pleasant. Uh, but him playing the uh, – I think – we're supposed to perceive him as just totally oblivious and ignorant to his wife's needs, which later on in the film it's revealed he has his own sort of hangups and insecurities. So right. he's not, he's not ignoring her. Uh, he just is apprehensive about, he, just like her apprehensive about the state of the marriage, but she is trying to get him to do couples things like they're doing this dance routine in front of, I actually don't remember what the occasion is. Fundra uh, an annual fundraiser, something like that. But it's their peers. It's like people they yeah. they know. So that seems to be the the issue is that. And he has this clip. Here's a good place for a clip if I can find it, where she is finally like saying what she means to him. They're having the talk about the the, the state of the the union, about their their relationship, their marriage, and he 
basically is reacting like I give and I give and I give like to things that I have zero interest in and all of that. But he finds it. He has a line where he's saying, I'm doing something that I don't enjoy. And to cap it off, uh, what follows after I make this commitment is a public shaming. Like I have to do it in front of other people. And I, I, I've seen this before. I'm pretty sure that's the only time I laughed in theater. And when I was watching it with my wife, she looked at me and I was extremely tickled because I'm like, I knew where the, <laughs> I knew where he was coming from here. Unfortunately, I'm trying to think if that's the same scene where he has a boner that's used for comedic relief. Because that's the he is the one I, character where male sexuality is used as a gag, as a joke. I think so. Because I think part of that conversation is going on when they're in the car because she has to fess up about what she's done <laughs> that she, and her rationale for doing and and I think that that's that's kind of the moment where it turns it on its head because you know the, the the play that we often see um, with, with married couples is the the expectations um, that the the husband has to kind of carry out these these activities that his wife is usually really excited about. Part of the reason she she tends to be at least how we we see it in these cliches is she's excited to enjoy the experience with her partner. Um, and he oftentimes feels like he's just kind of carrying out some some task, some role um, that that's part of the marriage. Um, where they flip it though is that oftentimes you see the the husband often kind of getting the the idea that okay, I've done all this stuff, so now sex. Right. It's an everybody loves Raymond gag every single episode. Yep. And with this, you have a situation where he's carrying out all these these tasks. But really, ultimately, what she really wants from him is is sex. And that's the one thing that he's like, wait, that's too far. I'll do whatever dance you want me to do. Um, I'll I'll paint. I will. I'll, I'll clean the house. But I'm not having sex with you. Um, and that's an interesting dynamic that we, we don't normally see depicted. I yeah I don't I definitely want to get into like any sort of personal side like what about you Derek experiencing that yet? <laughs> you ever tell your wife no? How often? What's wrong with you? I uh, I do work with a and he he would never listen to this. I work with a, a substantially older gentleman, and it was it came up at work like in, in a sort of a joking manner like oh going out to to chase any women this weekend and he's been married for God forty five years I think he said. So it's it's like one of those straight out of like high school sweetheart type things, sure. uh, very old fashioned type marriage. <laughs> and he's like, nope, nope, gave that up a long time ago. And my other coworkers like, well, I mean, clearly, you know, you're doing something right. You've been married that long, like you know, still. And he's like, nope, gave that up too. <laughs> <laughs> so, there's a, uh, I think it was an Amy Schumer sketch i think it was from her comedy central show that was uh the 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 entire conceit was uh women gathering to like welcome a new member when society has deemed them like this is your last fuckable day and going forward now <laughs> you're not considered fuckable anymore and i had that in my head and i kind of dug it i dug the this time as you're saying it was a dude it was a guy who's hung up on like i don't know if like what do i have to offer my wife anymore like i'm not you know i'm not not only is virile, not to the extent that she thinks, but he, he is someone who is really like kind of struggling with being an older man at this point. Cause they do mention in the film that it's like, I think they say they used to be like rabbits. Like they, they were the ones that you wouldn't have to worry about their sex life. And I don't think it's not handled with like, he's not one of the main characters, but it's so rare that I felt like it is the one thing you, I should really highlight about this movie that does feel kind of real and different that they're putting that on a man and, and good for him that it is a previous sitcom star that is actually wearing that hat. And a lot of the really thin male characters because his 
isn't really, and he doesn't have a lot of, of screen time, um, but the interactions that he does have with his wife, the interaction he has with the entire book club, when they're all kind of just laughing at him, and, and he's kind of oblivious to the, to to what they're laughing about, um, you, by the time you get to the point where they actually have their conversation about how he really is feeling and what some of the barriers um, uh, that he's kind of dealing with, you kind of get it. Like you, you kind of get that this isn't about him falling out of love with her or um, not finding his his spouse attractive. He's dealing with his own like stuff. They they both are, and the communication wasn't there where they were able to really sit down and be vulnerable with one another. So they weren't vulnerable um, with their actual conversation, probably like they used to to be, but they're also not able to be vulnerable sexually either. And so you can kind of see those parallels um, kind of taking place throughout. So, I mean, he, he does have a weight to him. Do you think as a, uh, uh, our culture in particular, um, and obviously I'm not asking you to speak for the, uh, the world. Cause I think if we were watching like a sex comedy, like from France, it's going to be dramatically different than what an American sex comedy would be like this. Uh, but is this going to be like the sort of last vestige of that maybe sort of generational outlook on, manhood because you look at someone his age and you're like well i understand why you keep everything inside and keep it all pent up like but going forward like the 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 social media internet generation do you feel like we're gonna have characters like this where it's just shorthand like well a man never says those type of things probably i i mean and that's that's a good question i could see that being the case um because the the cultural climate has has changed so much to where we we don't just den, you know deny some of these um, gender socializations we we challenge and, and attack them for the most part and so um, you know a film like this as crazy as it sounds would probably seem dated in ten years from now um, because we would say well well you know what's the big deal with these older women you know having discussions about going back out and and dating um, and you know why is this man insecure about his uh, you know his his life and his place and 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 all those kind of uh, masculine and feminine definitions that we've held onto for decades now um, are kind of being exposed as as a little bit less biological and a more um, uh, socializations um, that we have kind of here. And so uh, I do think that's interesting. Jump forward a decade from now, 15 years from now, and, and we will probably have a kind of a different perspective on it. At least folks that are probably in their 20 somethings, if they go back and watch this, uh, yeah, I think it would be a dramatic um, um, kind of, you know, different viewpoint that they would have. What did you make of the uh, Diane Keaton's uh, character? Her, her big hump to get over is, uh, as you said, kind of just re-entering dating life. She's the the widow. Uh, I, I also think the film, I, I like that, I guess they're brave enough to allow her to admit, or we have some insight from her friend's perspective, that her marriage wasn't the most satisfying thing. It's not like she's grieving the greatest love she ever had and sure. who can ever replace him. Uh, so you enter the two daughter characters played by uh, Alicia Silverstone and I forget the other I don't the actress's name she's from the league so she's a recognizable that's where I saw her face. Oh, okay yeah um, I should you know now I feel bad I shouldn't even mention Alicia Silverstone I should have said clueless in the league and just kept them equal but they Katie are... Asselton sure <laughs> that works for I it, it is her she is uh well she is way down the list okay she's right underneath share yep that is her 
they they are obnoxious. They are obnoxious uh, <laughs> hump to get over. Considering that their mom is alone, she seems to be in perfectly fine health and has her wits about her. And they are insistent that she's going to come live in their basement just to make sure she doesn't fall down. They're watching her diet. Uh, right. They, like that is a generational divide within the movie where, um, and I don't know if that's still like, cause I feel like I read some article today that uh, was talking about the, the demographics of people staying at home longer now, which mm-hmm. there, there's all sorts of financial reasons for that as well. But this need for the nest to like reform, to come back together. And part of it can be looking out for someone you love but the way it's played in book club is very over the top and just seems like they want their mother under their thumb again in some, some regard. And I think it could, it could be a couple of things. Uh, You know, you you talk about kind of having uh, the family reconnected in this kind of uh, larger extended kind of situation that we we've seen that in the past couple of decades with this sandwich generation uh, with folks living longer, uh, meaning that, uh, these folks, you know, folks, parents are living longer. And so parents are moving back into the home. And so you have, uh, you know, these middle 30 somethings taking care of their young kids, but also their parents. Right. We've, we've seen that, you know, be the case and manifest itself over time. But at least and I don't know if this lets them off the hook, but maybe you could make the argument that they are hypersensitive about, um, you know, mom's mortality because they just lost dad and maybe they too had romanticized their marriages or their parents relationship and so they're thinking we feel this because we lost our father and then we're assuming that they had the greatest love affair ever and that she's destroyed we can't let mom die of a broken heart now is that the case i have no idea she's got andy garcia so no <laughs> exactly <laughs> not. exactly exactly she's i i think you know what it what it maybe tips its hat to is this idea that um you know again talking about some of these old school gender roles she maybe presented herself as the happy uh, loving spouse and mother this entire time um because that's what you do that's what you're supposed to do that's the role that you play um and so that's that's what her her daughters saw and so maybe they're thinking this woman, our mom's heartbroken. We can't lose her because she doesn't have a will to live, even though she's showing them the the, the, the will is now there again. Thanks to Fifty Shades of Grey. She is, <laughs> she is a mission. Uh, I watched another movie uh, for another podcast of mine, and uh, we spent probably a good five, ten minutes just talking about how incredibly hairy Andy Garcia is. <laughs> so, I don't know. You know, maybe there's something Diane Keaton just need, absolutely needs to discover about this man, and she, she likes... <laughs> Grab a big, just <laughs> near it. That is a, a different kink that's not in this film. That <laughs> the, the grooming it's of Andy cut. Garcia. No. Um, all right. So I, I want to move uh, to Jane Fonda because I think her her arc is maybe the more positive uh, side of what Diane Keaton is going through with her daughters, where it's trying to recapture this romance. Uh, from their youth, this shared uh, relationship she had with Don Johnson, who it's not as controlling because he seems pretty open to like admiring her and her way of life. He just sure. happens to want, he just wants to be like sort of a supporting character in it at this point in his life. And they seem to enjoy each other's company, but it does seem like the way they play those two things is very different for these women, which is cool that they're, you know, they're, 
the same age and same circle of friends, but Diane Keaton is ready to explore. And with Jane Fonda's, it seems to be about, <laughs> and she's pretty adamant that she has explored everything. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And yet her arc is about returning to, uh, something that's known and safe. And normally that's not the most <laughs> erotic or romantic thing, uh, that's for, for a narrative, for a, you know, some, for drama, we're not really looking for something that is so free of conflict. Yeah. And I wondered if you had any issue with Jane Fonda's character. It seems natural, but it seems like she, she's the only one supplying the conflict. <laughs> Don Johnson's like, I'm here. <laughs> Take exactly. me if you want. And she's the one that's pushing him away, flinging herself on the bed. Uh, she's upset uh, with herself. Uh, it is, it's, it's hard to make that work. I think that Jane Fonda pulls it off just with the force of her personality, but it is, it's certainly something that you couldn't have in a romance between just two people like this has to right. work only in an ensemble, but I wondered if it right. worked for you. If that's, if that's your main arc, it's not really an arc <laughs> in a lot of ways. Um, I thought it was okay. Uh, you got frustrated with her. Yeah, I, I think in in so many ways you're siding with my mom. By the way, right now she I just am. was like, <laughs> "If you want it, do it. <laughs> just stop talking around it. What is it? Like he's he's ready and he's willing. And unlike exactly. uh, Diane Keaton, you don't have anybody else trying to cock block you except yourself. It seems that her character had built up or has built up these, and not not to be cliche when I say walls, but she's built up um, all of these uh, ideas about what falling in love looks like and how you know tragic it is for getting to enjoy your life because you uh, you get bloated and you become a stay at home mom and you have children running around and that's not going to be me. At the same time, you have a, a character who's probably the least honest about who she is or what she wants out of the the, the four of them. Uh, you, you don't really know. And I, and I think maybe you could even make the argument that she doesn't really know. Um, she's, she's just kind of walked around with this idea of what she thinks should be making her happy. Um, cause that's the way that she lives her life. And so when Don Johnson, you know, uh, reappears in, in, um, you know, it, in her life, it, it throws her completely off because now she can't consistently, you know, play this lie anymore. Um, something's real here. And these are real emotions that um, I, I have to resolve in some way. And so she's basically someone who's really, you know, not very congruent with how she feels uh, versus how she lives. Um, and that's probably the the internal struggle for her. Her struggle is more uh, um, interpersonal, right? It's more with her than it is with you know, running off with Don Johnson. It's her finding a way to, to kind of let go of some of these ideas that she's had that she can't actually be happy with this guy. Um, well, she and, loses her role in the group as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. It seems more of a fear of uh, losing her part within their little social construct of the book club. Yeah, she she can't be Blanche anymore if she's uh, if her eyes are you know swelling up over some boy. And Don Johnson, some boy, some boy, and uh, father to uh, a great human specimen coming in part two of this no, episode. Shit. How about that? Kudos <laughs> to him. What the greatest thing he ever achieved? <laughs> yeah, for, well, and, you know, it's a it twofer funny. actually because it's having sex with Melanie Griffith as well. So maybe, maybe the greatest human achievement. Ex exactly. And that dawned on me for a second when I was watching uh, book club, I was like, wait a minute. So, you know, they're, they're talking about reading this book and then his daughter. I was, and I'm thinking as a father, would I feel a certain type of way just with that, the connection there? 
Probably not, but it, it was something that it took me a while to really even think about while I was watching Book Club. So I doubt he would want to read passages from it on the screen. Uh, <laughs> I did read a bit of trivia because I, I kind of watched these uh, not exactly back to back, but on back to back nights. Uh, actually, I watched Fifty Shades. Let me tell you how old <laughs> I feel and am. I uh, watched it. I'd seen it before with my wife uh, years ago when it came out, and uh, we started at night. <laughs> got sleepy, <laughs> turned it off <laughs> next morning, turned it back on. That's probably not like what that's a failure on 50 shades. If a married couple can just be like, well, pick this up in the morning. Good night. <laughs> Put our full body pajamas on. And, just... <laughs> and this, this was not a Truman show thing where it's like the camera veers away because something's about to happen. Nope. <laughs> Lights off. This is a, uh, you know, I love Lucy in you know twin beds <laughs> i was gonna oh yeah you took my joke exactly we have our our curtain in between the two of us <laughs> i i also wondered with with the the jane fonda uh the, the sort of the, the lack of arc uh as you as you put it there that if if she loses her role in the group at the like at that point in her life i understand that like man what what am i now but if her fear is like that she's gonna like she's outran commitment for this long and if she now she settles down well she knows what that means uh not exactly at that age i think it means something quite a bit different than someone who's getting married in their 20s and 30s like i <laughs> i got married when i was 33 and i just remember when i told my dad like you know they had uh, proposed and she said yes i'm just breaking news to him and <laughs> if, of course you know my dad as well unlike my mom uh, does not say a lot. He would not be a natural born podcaster. And he said, well, uh, you lasted as long as you could. <laughs> like, like there was some sort of race and he was waiting and he had his little stopwatch and it was like a somewhat of an attaboy, like, Hmm, not bad, but it was also like, and you ultimately failed. No one, <laughs> no one can outrun that forever. That commitment. You're on fumes. <laughs> so, me and Jane Fonda, though, which I, you know how I feel about children, and I am currently uh, with my wife, Brittany, I am playing uh, old-school half-court offense, or in football turn, terms, I am running out the clock, just <laughs> spiking the ball, <laughs> trying to, trying to stay, outrun that race. Um, let go. But, but her... What, let there, go. There's, I'm Don Johnson. Let go. <laughs> let it rain. <laughs> All right, this is time for Editor Mike. Uh, play a clip here so we can compose ourselves before before I say something, something else. She was sitting in the room and she said, This is me. Thank you for making tonight so easy. Oh, it's a great, great pleasure. Um... I have to ask you this. First of all, I think you're great. And second, I know that the chances of this going past this evening are slim, but would you mind if I kissed you? If I had a nickel for every time someone asked me. All right, all right, all right. I'll just rewind the tape. Shut up and kiss me. Oh, hell. My point is, Jane Fonda, there's probably not kids in the picture 
your lifestyle probably doesn't change dramatically except that you have someone to travel with at this point in your golden years. But right. at that point, what, and I think that was my, when I watched it with my mom, that was her because she really loves Jane Fonda and she's liked her, you know, for her entire career uh, and likes her persona. But this one, I think she, she, uh, she didn't like what a little bit she was being there at the end. <laughs> I, well, I'll say this: she was the the character I enjoyed the least, and maybe I'm I'm just giving her too much of an out here because um, I want it to be a little bit less flat than how it's presented. Um, but you're right from a logical perspective; she doesn't have all of those concerns that a 21 year old version of her has. Like, but, what if this fails? Yeah, but at the same time, uh, sometimes folks hold on to lies just because they don't want to be wrong. And the further you dig your heels, the more years that you have, more rings on that tree, the further you kind of want to just believe it. And so maybe she knows that ultimately her life won't dramatically change in some impactful way. Um, but maybe she just doesn't want to give up the idea that she's held to be true for so long. And it's connected to her standing in her friend group and her identity, how people look at her. Maybe. Or maybe she's just kind of being stupid about this whole thing. Women are silly, Derek. They need, and even book club has a woman being slapped, slap some sense into her. Now it's another woman doing it, Oh yeah, <laughs> but it's very that old was, fashioned. That was the kinkiest moment of the movie. Mm-hmm. I bet you like that. <laughs> <laughs> that was rubbing hands together. <laughs> um, what's, what's the grand gesture here or what, what's one that works for you? Cause with an ensemble, uh, you know, mm. as we, we set it up, Depending on where you come from, depending on your personality type, maybe one of them is is a story that you see yourself reflected in it. I don't know. I think it's gonna be a it's gonna be a push for us to be like, well, that's me, baby. That's I, that's my life in this. But you know, was there one where you're like, yeah, that that could be its own sort of rom com? If you pulled one story out of this, which one would be the it, it most would interesting? Be, it would have to be the uh, Craig T. Nelson stuff. It for me, like I said, that was one of the the funnier moments when he comes in with the the helmet on as she's dancing. Because you here's like you knew it was happening, like you knew it was coming, but they allowed her to tap dance for far too long. Where I was like, maybe, maybe they're just gonna turn it on its head and he's just gonna be waiting outside with candy. Like I'm sorry, because that would be what a real life version of my life would have been like. I still wouldn't have went up there. Uh, you would have shown up and said, I "I'm sorry, I can't do that. Like I just can't." Get up in front of people and perform that dance. I would have broken my own leg and said, I, I was going to do this. Side question. Do you think there is there like a deleted scene or just an imagining of this world where he is <laughs> pulling a uh, Mike Denniston and running out the clock to where if I wait long enough, I can still show up, but I don't have to be up there that long. And she's she's already made a fool of herself. So if I show up, I'm the hero because he does. He does hold we- out. He does hold out. We'd be giving him far too much because, again, he is oblivious through so much of this movie. I don't know if he would be the type that would be so calculated, um, <laughs> you know, as, as to even set his, his watch, the timer accordingly. Um, he's kind they of also bumbling. play the wrong song, too, so that might have thrown off, you know, if you had plans. Uh, yeah. I actually thought that was the I, – honestly, I thought that was on purpose. Like I thought that was he, – he went to the guy. I was like, no, play this song instead. I'm going to swoop in. Like it's going to be a big surprise. Well, no. If no. you're dancing to Meatloaf, I guess you're going to look silly anyway. So yeah, it's like I was, yeah, lowers the I bar. Mean, I was kind of hoping that it would be a situation where like that was – you know, he, it reminds, uh, you know, it's their song from high school and he tells her that, you know, when he, I don't know. Um, it was an older song. So maybe, 
Um, I, I feel like both of you and I are, are representing the, the interior life of men, the neuroses, where there's like a thousand different ways that they could play out in our heads. Like, what, what is the appropriate course of action? When really, if you just look at it, it's just a bunch of silly older people just getting the chance to laugh and enjoy each other's company. And no one, no one is as focused in on like your mistakes as what you are anyway. So they're just right. like happy that you just, you just show up. That's it. Yeah. Just you're, I'd say you're just, you're just living life and dealing with the, the stumbles of it on a daily basis, but then, you know, kind of processing what decisions you made after the fact, but either way, it, it's kind of fine anyway you know like they they hit all these these you know these different situations like candace bergen's character um where she she gets on the site and then she's off the site and she's on the site um and it's really awkward at the the you know the the um the kind of engagement party but at the end it doesn't really matter as long as she's kind of secure in herself like all these things that she had blown up to be such a big deal and if she's just fine with who she is, regardless of it's a relationship or not, she's okay. Um, and that's probably a lesson that you, you, you hopefully start to learn as you, you get older. And she just puts, puts hands on them, throws them in the back seat and <laughs> has her way. When she's done, she's done. My God. Mm, that was the, that was the 50 shades moment. For you. <laughs> to be Richard Dreyfuss. <laughs> it is so strange to hear. <laughs> A, a young, uh, reasonably, I'll say reasonably, because I can only see like shoulders up in shape, young black man ever say to be to be like a sixty-something Richard <laughs> Dreyfus is, is uh, or any version of him, I guess would be. Any, yeah, you're right. Any version, even like what Jaws is that? Is yeah. that like peak Dreyfus form? Probably. And even then, he's the the nebbish nerd that's you know picked on 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 the boat. Uh, you're right. I don't know. I don't know if there is a cool Richard Dreyfus, but it, this, well, fuck it. I don't know. Maybe this is it. I mean, he, yeah, I was going to say, first time this out, is the one. Murphy Brown, he's got him, lipstick yeah. marks, you know, all over. He's tattooed with them. That actually, you know, I, I mean, we've kind of talked through it, but spoiler alert for like the actual, I believe it is the last shot of the movie. Uh, she goes back on that site and there he is. And he's, it's going to be round two for him. I was happy. That was my one lament was, I liked how that first date went. Right. That we never see the guy again. I'm like, he doesn't get a second round with drive. I would have loved just whenever there was a lull in the film, someone's crying or someone's having marital strife. Their kids are annoying. Just cut back to Murphy Brown, just <laughs> banging it out. Just seeing <laughs> the, the back of the jaws. car moving. <laughs> just the back of maybe his bald head. <laughs> up and down, up and down. Yeah. It would have been cool if it, instead of it just being like her awakening and that being his purpose, at least until the end, if, if, you know, she'd had maybe a couple failed experiences and then gets, you know, goes back to him. Um, instead of that being like the last thing that we see, or if he'd kind of swooped in at the, uh, you know, the, the engagement party, um, and was really supportive of, you know, yes, sexual somehow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to put uh, ulterior motives on the man because he seems perfectly respectful during the date and he's uh, reasonably nervous. He, he just seems, you know, he seems honest in that, that moment. Uh, yeah. And he's honest about that he, he likes her company like instantly and he's trying to feel his way out. But yeah, there is a, a dirtier version of this that I, <laughs> I wouldn't have mind seeing. I don't know. Uh, all right. Well, uh, that's a, that's a transition to part two of this episode. Uh, we're, we are going to get a dirtier version of this. 
Maybe. I don't, I don't know if it's as honest. Uh, and this is why I like having someone that's actually trained uh, in counseling and <laughs> therapy because you can speak to this more than me. I was always a little bit troubled by the uh, the fad that we see presented here in Book Club of Fifty Shades, that particular uh, phenomenon. But uh, we'll get into the uh, the proper version of it, the, the, the movie adaptation with Don Johnson's <laughs> greatest victory. Lovely, Lovely daughter. Lovely <laughs> daughter. 